Oh, 2020, what a year it's been. I think what triathlon has taught me is just to be myself. There's something about being the one who knows where you're going that is really empowering. So much of women's rights are tied up with women's sports. I was 54. I had a kidney transplant. If I can do it, surely you can do it. Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Chura. I'm joined by my co-host, the recently nominated Athlete of the Year at the Outspoken Awards. She 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 did not win, but she's still the Athlete of the Year in my heart, Alyssa Gadeski. Hi, Haley. How are you tonight? Thanks for that warm, warm intro. It was quite a... Well, I, it wasn't a late night with the Outspoken Award Ceremony, but it was a fun night with the Outspoken Award Ceremony. So even though it was done virtually this year, it was really cool to um, be nominated and get to be a part of it. And I think you were watching from the Facebook live stream. So um, I don't know. Do you have any like first thoughts, I guess, about watching it? Alyssa, I really enjoyed it. So we are recording this just a day after the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Awards, which happened virtually this year. I got to be there in person a year ago at the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit in Tempe in 20, I was there in 2019 when they first brought out these awards and did it in person. So I've gotten to see both iterations, the in-person and the virtual. Uh, and I think virtual awards are so hard and I really admire Sarah Gross and Lisa Ingerfield for, and Lindsay Glassford, Alicia Allen, the whole team for pivoting and bringing us the virtual awards for uh, I, I liked how it was presented on Facebook, so I didn't necessarily have to have a camera on me, which was nice because I did not dress for the occasion. Let's just say <laughs> I was just in the in the award in the in the stands. Um, and but I think you were actually like on Zoom, correct? It was a little bit different because you were nominated, so you were seeing it from a different angle than me. Yeah, so I was on the the Zoom stage, I guess you could call it, for a little bit. So every time a category was kind of announced, I guess with the Zoom features, you can kind of change kind of, it was set up as a webinar and then you can change people from like webinar attendees to panelists, I think it is, um, within Zoom. So then we would get, like if it was your category that was up, you would get switched to a panelist. So then you would be shown on the screen. And so um, it was, you know, it was kind of a big debate for me. I talked about last week of what to wear because I was going to be on screen for a little bit. And, you know, Haley, as I thought about it more through the week, I was like, first of all, I don't know if I even really have any like dress, dress up clothes anymore at this point. And I was like, but second, I need to just be myself. And what do I wear in my everyday life all the time? Smash dress queen. So did you wear your kit? Did you wear a race kit? Because, okay, <laughs> spoiler alert, there was a little bit of a technical glitch, I think, in the early awards, which Athlete of the Year was one of the early awards. I never actually got to see you, but Mel McQuaid, our guest from last week, like actually wrote in and was like, What did Alyssa wear? And I was like, I don't know. So, wait, what did you wear? I race so, kit. Race kit would have been a great, I never thought of that until just now, but I think that would have been a great outfit. <laughs> That would have been a great outfit. I probably, yeah, I wish I should have like planned better with you, but I was super excited because I had just ordered the new Smash Fest Queen desert pink casualty that came out and it had been a while since Smash had kind of put out new casualties and that's like when something like that comes out. I mean, my previous editions of their casualties are like clearly showing their wear because I love to wear them all the time. So I immediately needed to wear the desert pink one and I was like, this is the perfect opportunity and it's like, it was so nice and like 
new and you know it looked like I had gone like and got like a nice new outfit at least to me but then I realized I didn't do a good job with the zoom setup because I should have propped my cat you know I should have really done what you're supposed to do when you're doing something important on zoom which is like prop your computer up to eye level so that it would be like a proper headshot instead I think people could only see my face with like my headphones <laughs> but um for anyone who was wondering I was wearing the the desert pink casualty and then I definitely was just wearing the smash fest queens sweatpant joggers too um, I'm wearing those because, right now yeah. as a so, recording you can't see them either so, but and I'm wearing so comfy okay, speaking of smash fest queen casual I'm wearing the crop top long sleeve and this is Alyssa this has been big for me like I my foray into crops because I have a long torso I'm a little afraid of crops because I just feel like they look a little bit funny on me sometimes but I've just in just in 2020 embraced the crop I think I have turned like a new page in my fashion sense and I really am enjoying wearing a crop top even if it's just you know around the house while podcasting I, I love it. I I think I probably am on your same page. Maybe it was like our generation or something, our era of people who like the crop came out and I was very uncertain and I felt like it just didn't fit me like right for a while. And then like you, I think 2020 has been the year where I really have embraced it. I've also embraced the like fully gone on the high-waisted leggings and jeans um, bandwagon. And so that I think is like probably a slow, it's like a slow melts I want to say slow melts into the the crop top realm because like when your jeans are so high the crop can be like you know it's not as noticeable it's not like I don't know (laughs) we're watching fashion transitions like as they happen we're like living them I mean would the you know the the low rider wide leg jean me of 1998 believe I now wear high waisted jeans and crop tops (laughs) But Haley, back to the the matter at hand with the outspoken um, outspoken award ceremony that was last night. It was really cool to like get a group of women together. I'm sure there were men also watching on Facebook, and but just to like celebrate triathlon again and to be around like you know our people kind of on one big Zoom again. Like it made me very nostalgic for racing again and getting to see these people in person and like have all of that interaction again. So. Uh, the only thing I can really say to that is please everyone wear a mask so we can do that sooner rather than later. <laughs> yes. And I will say congratulations to Sika Henry who won the athlete of the year award, even though we'll call Alyssa like a worthy runner up. I mean, all of the categories, I would encourage everyone to go to that outspoken women in triathlon. Uh, the Instagram page I know has a, has a list of all the winners, but definitely they were great winners, great speeches. I think you can, if you still go to the outspoken women in triathlon Facebook page, you can watch the awards if you missed it. Uh, Jamila Gale Agins gave a great, uh, keynote speech and yeah. And we had her on a mini episode, um, a couple months ago, but it was, she did a great job there and it was it was, like you said, it was fun to kind of get together, even though in, it was in a virtual virtual s- situation. I don't know what word I'm looking for there, but congratulations on your nomination and being a finalist. So congratulations to all the nominees and all the finalists. I love seeing some familiar faces when later when they were able to kind of do it Oscar style and show everyone's faces. And then um, it was fun. It was fun to be like, oh, you know, she's here and see, see everyone and see like if they had people with them, if they're by themselves, if they did a fun zoom background or if they're like in their living room, <laughs> you know, I feel like such a voyeur where I'm like, Ooh, I really like her decorations. You're like snooping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
like, I'm like, where can I get a print of that for my wall? Or who has a cute cat? But um, definitely great, great time. Congratulations to everyone involved. Haley, what else has been happening in Bozeman this last week? What have you been up to? Well, it warmed up a little. So I've been doing some dog walking, which is always a good thing. I have been, um, you know, just kind of the basic stuff. I have watched, okay, it didn't warm up enough to like ride my bike outside. So I've been on the trainer, which I love. Um, I watched The Queen's Gambit. Have you watched that? Don't know. I mean, I don't think you're about to tell me what happens, but I've been seeing so much buzz. I think we might be like starting it tonight because I like can't contain myself any longer. Everyone, everyone that I like really like and respect has loved this. And so I'm going to have to say I like it even if I don't, because I feel like all these like smart people who like things that I like are really liking it. So I feel like I need to like align and be like, yes, I like it too, but I need to watch it. So I'm going to be on the bandwagon this week. I will say it's worth watching. I also, when I first started it, I thought it was a movie. So I thought it was like going to be like two hours long. And then, um, how the first episode ended, I was like, that's it. And then I was like, and then it goes to the second episode. I was like, yes, it's a series. So like, it's going to get me through like my, all my rides, you know, like for at least a couple of days. So there's like seven episodes. It is, it's, it's worth watching. It's, it was, um, I think it is right up your alley. So definitely highly, highly, highly recommend the Queen's Gambit for anyone's trainer viewing or just hanging out viewing while you're at home. It is it's a it's a good show to watch. It'll be a good break from for Matt and I because we we've just finished our 12th consecutive season of Survivor. So I think we need to take a Survivor break. And the Queen's Gambit sounds like a good good little interim project for us. Slightly (laughs) different. Slightly different. There's no desert island that I remember. (laughs) Well, Haley, we did not have any mailbag questions come in this week. If anyone has mailbag questions, please always send them in to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and answer some questions about triathlon and or life or anything like that. But Alyssa, we do have an interview this week and it's a fun one. Yes. So we have Ruth Astle on the podcast today, Haley. And Ruth was the top amateur in Kona in 2019. So last year, if you guys, it feels like forever ago, but Kona did happen in 2019, just about a year ago. And Ruth took that top amateur female spot there. She turned pro quickly after that with her first pro race being Ironman Western Australia. And then she, like a lot of people, had a big 2020 plan to kind of come out, race her first year as a pro. And as you can imagine, we talked to her about what she's been up to instead. She did manage to get an Ironman in in 2020. She was just at Ironman Florida where she was fourth and she got herself a Kona spot for hopefully that race happening in Kona in 2021. So here we'll hear from Ruth afterward from our sponsors. Alyssa, you will not believe who just bought an Orca wetsuit. Ooh, tell me. My dad. No way. I didn't even realize your dad was a swimmer. It's news to me too, but really nothing surprises me these days. I think he really liked the high visibility orange sleeves on the Orca open water core wetsuit. So with the Iron Woman 15 discount code, he ordered one from orca.com and spent less than $150. That's a great deal. If any of our listeners want to be like Haley's dad, check out the full line of wetsuits and gear for open water swimming, triathlon, and even swim run at orca.com. 
and use that IronWomen15 code for 15% off. Triathlon is certainly hard on your skin, without a doubt. That was Teresa Helsel, dermatologist PA and accomplished triathlete. Earlier this year, Teresa came on the podcast to offer skincare advice specific to triathletes. Teresa's two biggest tips were to avoid sunburn and chafing. And luckily, Iron Women podcast listeners get 15% off all Zelio skincare products, including Sun Barrier SPF 45 zinc-based sunscreen and Betwixt Athletic Skin Lubricant and Chamois Cream. Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com for 15% off and use Zelios products to protect your skin during all your swim, bike, run fun. You've heard Alyssa and I talk about how Form Smart Swim Goggles are revolutionizing swimming for well over a year now. With the holidays approaching, we can safely say that these are the ideal gift for any triathlete or swimmer in your life. If you or someone you know is looking to be more engaged during swim sessions and wants to take their swimming to new levels, check out Form Goggles at formswim.com or head over to their Instagram at formswim, one word, where they will be running seasonal giveaways, sharing holiday offers alongside all their great swim content. Hi, Ruth. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. We want to start off by congratulating you. You had a huge race this past week, and we're talking to you just after Ironman Florida, where you finished fourth. But first, let's talk about this bike split. You had the race best bike split, four hours and 32 minutes. That's nearly 25 miles an hour or 40 kilometers per hour. What did that feel like? <laughs> um yeah the bike actually was great I just really enjoyed it Um, I think I've been quite public a lot of the time about the bike being my favorite discipline and definitely my strongest so it's quite nice um, to kind of show that I think you know it's definitely the best uh bike split that I've had I was chasing quite hard trying to get back up to the race after all my lost swim time um but yeah just um it wasn't actually the best time. Rene was about six seconds quicker than me, um, but because she didn't finish, her time doesn't count. Um, so I guess, obviously, I would take the course record, but I guess a little shout out to Rene because she actually biked a bit faster than me. <laughs> Very fast times all around. And that Ironman Florida course is is fairly flat, but also can be windy. Did you do any training to specifically prepare for that bike course? Definitely not. Uh, I'm currently in, well, not currently, but as I'm currently living when I'm back in the UK in Yorkshire, which is the complete opposite to these kind of Florida flat open roads. I'd say Yorkshire is kind of classic England, very hilly, small, narrow lanes, terrible road surfaces. Uh, so a lot of my training's been on that. There is one stretch of road that's quite flat that you can do similar kind of TT efforts on. So I guess a lot of my interval sessions I have done on that, but I'd say my general riding is much more on the hills um, and kind of, yeah, not so much on, I guess, you know, England doesn't really have roads like like the roads out here that we can necessarily train on. Um, I wish we had road surfaces like a lot of the surfaces out here, make, make it much more pleasant kind of training, but... Yeah, I think, as you, as you said, like it's very flat, but it was pretty windy on race day. And there were lots of sections that felt like you were going into either a headwind or a crosswind. And also because it's flat, like you are just in that TT position the whole time, which 
I think that's actually really hard. Um, you know, I had a couple of moments where I was having to like shake out my shoulders a bit and try and just move out the saddle so I wasn't kind of just in that position for for four and a half hours. But um, but yeah, it's it's also very nice doing a fast course because I haven't done that many super speedy courses. <laughs> And Ruth, as you're saying, you live in the UK um, and the UK just entered another pandemic lockdown. So we kind of took a look. We think that you had been re- planning to race Ironman Portugal, which um, I believe was supposed to happen yeah. like early November, I think I want to say. And when that race was canceled, you were able to get the travel exemption to come race Ironman Florida. So can you kind of tell us how that all shook out and about that process? Yeah, so I'm at Portugal. I kind of decided... Uh, I think it was sort of end of August, it looked like that was looking quite good to go ahead. Because I guess after all the summer, I kind of, I didn't want to plan anything too early, get my hopes up, do a big Ironman block and then have a race cancelled. Because I think emotionally, that's actually really quite hard to deal with. Um, So yeah, Portugal looked quite set. So I was like, right, we can do like a nice little sort of four week Ironman block and get ready for that. It was actually meant to be the same day as Florida. Um, so that actually worked out really nicely because it meant that I'd kind of trained for that date. Um, so when that got cu- cancelled a couple of weeks before, obviously Florida was then the only other option to get an Ironman in. And I think, you know, just for me, it was like any opportunity to try and get an Ironman this year, both to kind of see if I'd made any progress, to kind of see where I was compared to some of the other ladies and and also kind of give me some motivation for then those like that winter training. Um so, yes, yeah, so I looked at Florida. Initially, it looked like it was just going to be impossible to to get into the United States because there's the block on any foreigners coming in. Um, and I talked to Ironman. They said they couldn't help. I talked to British Triathlon. They said they couldn't help. Um, I tried to do an exemption through the U.S. Embassy in London. They also couldn't help. So at this point, I was like, right, that's it. There's not going to be an Ironman. I kind of gave up on it a little bit. Um, and then I was really fortunate in that um, I had someone who had a contact in the USA triathlon who uh was able to just basically just did me a massive favor uh I managed to kind of get get me an exemption through the sort of American elite athlete um process which you know considering that British triathlon didn't want to do that for us it was very nice that USA triathlon uh felt that they could um so that was amazing. So that then the exemption actually came through really quickly from Homeland Security. And it was then really quite an easy process to, to get out here. We kind of turned up to the airport. The uh, Homeland Security came and checked that we were on the system before we got on the plane. So we also knew before we got on the plane that we would definitely be able to get in. Because that was my other worry that we might fly all the way out here and then be told, no, <laughs> you can't come in the country. Um, so, yeah, it was actually all quite easy in the end, um, which was great. So got to come out and race what does a four-week Ironman build look like does that mean (laughs) that you just like did a bunch of volume for the four weeks leading up to the race yeah pretty much um so I guess I've for a lot of this year I've kind of kept everything ticking over I've been trying to work quite a lot on my swim because that is my main weakness um but also done quite a lot of fun things like some sort of five-day gravel adventures and you know think things to kind of keep keep it fun and not get too depressed about there not being any races so yeah my four-week Ironman build was um I basically had like a week of recovery post one of the races that the PTO supported in the UK which was a half distance so I guess I did a little bit of training for that before that was kind of specific race training and then I did sort of three 
big weeks of sort of like uh like three kind of 29 hour weeks um and three long runs uh and then it was kind of taper time so it was it was quite nice in some ways to just have like a short block of that so I guess usually you'd do like a a two to three month Ironman build and you get to that point where you're like oh I'm just so tired of everything where when you're just doing it for that length of time it's like actually it's kind of fine it's like you don't get that tired it's it's not that long the end is in sight so I actually really enjoyed it <laughs> well and it worked out quite well for you so if I was in your shoes I'd be like you know there might be do- something to this like have gravel adventures and do some fun things and then just like do a month yeah. of Ironman build and go <laughs> race <laughs> I think so yeah it could be the way forward <laughs> And so, Ruth, you had also posted about getting a private invitation to go race Challenge Daytona on October 31st. So when you booked your travel for Ironman Florida, did you know you'd be staying to do that for Daytona too? Was it like, you know, this is perhaps meant to be almost to be able to be doing both of them, you know, and not have to go back down back to a lockdown situation, which probably isn't the best, you know, for someone who's training and stuff. Yeah, so actually initially I hadn't planned on being out here, mainly because I'm still working for Lloyds Bank doing a couple of days a week and we're not allowed to work from abroad uh, and I didn't think they'd be that excited about me taking six weeks of holiday, Um, (laughs) as nice as that would be. Um, And also the other thing was like with my swim being the main focus, I've got a really good master's group that I'm training with back in uh in Leeds and I was like actually I could really do with that extra sort of two three weeks of swimming with them especially for a race like Daytona where the swim is going to be pretty key and I think any extra seconds I can gain there um is going to help but as soon as it was basically the night before we flew out they announced that England was going back into lockdown um so I was kind of half thinking about it. Uh, I had a couple of chats with work at the beginning of this week um, to kind of say, actually, would you mind if I if I take it as holiday? So I've got this massive race coming up and I really need to be able to swim. So I can't really come back to England and and not be swimming. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, it's really it's, it's also really nice to be able to kind of properly relax post an Ironman and like not have like the day of travel after putting your body through that. So I think, you know, recovery wise, it is definitely the the more sensible choice, and I guess if I if I wasn't still working two days a week, I definitely would have planned definitely just you know just to come out and thing that that I was going to go back for. But yeah, work has been really accommodating, so um, I get to stay out in the sunshine, which is lovely. What about the travel part of that? Were you just like scrambling to change your flights? Is that is that? I mean, it's not easy during a non-pandemic times. I can't imagine it's easy to do now tell you what it's so easy (laughs) like surprisingly I booked all my stuff through Virgin uh I basically sent them a whatsapp about three days ago because they've got this new service where you can just whatsapp them and said I'm I'm not really sure when I'm going to come back and they're like okay you can change it to an open ticket that's valid until 2022 uh and I was like great so honestly could not have been easier I was very surprised (laughs) Wow, maybe there's a perk of uh, pandemic international mm. travel if you can if you can manage it. But Ruth, I know our friend Torsten Rad at tryrating.com. He had predicted three Kona slots for the pro women in Florida, but he wasn't certain, and no one was certain because the Ironman algorithm is still a bit of an unknown. So when the race started, you didn't know exactly how many slots there would be for pro women. You finished fourth, just behind Meredith Kessler, who had previously qualified. 
when did you know you had officially earned that Kona slot? Uh, I didn't officially know until uh, I emailed Iron Man that night and said, do you know if there's going to be three slots? Um, I, yeah, I felt quite confident after Torsten had posted that he thought there should be. Because I was like, you know, if anyone other, other than Iron Man knows, it is going to be Torsten. But, and I'd actually messaged him when he posted that. And I kind of said, you know, how confident are you? Because I, like, I really didn't want to get my hopes up to... To then be told actually there's not there's not three slots um did he tell you you but, could get your hopes um, up how confident was he no he actually he was like he, well he was like i'm quite confident but he was like you know you're not going to get 100 percent confirmation until iron man comes back uh, and they actually came back quite quickly and said you would have got the email tomorrow morning but yes there are three slots so that put my mind at rest and meant that i could kind of celebrate um knowing that i had the slot which was pretty amazing and Ruth, your first um, pro Ironman race was last December at Ironman Western Australia. And you've kind of said, I think it was on Instagram or, or your blog or something where you said that it didn't quite go as you planned. <laughs> so do you feel like Florida did go as planned? You know, how did the kind of they kind of compare and line up to each other? Um, I think Western Australia, I definitely made some pretty rookie mistakes. Um, I put the wrong tire on my disc wheel. So uh, when I pumped it up on race morning, it was like rubbing on my hydration system and like my whole wheel was jammed. So I tried to get on in T1 and like I nearly fell off because my wheel didn't move. So I had to kind of let a load of air out, fit around with that. It was very embarrassing because it was like right on the corner where <laughs> all of the spectators were. Um, so that, you know, not an ideal start to the race. Then the bike was going really well and um <laughs> I then got a puncture with 30k to go, managed to fix it, then got another puncture with 15k to go, had nothing left. So I had to do like the whole last 15k just on a completely flat back, back tire. Not not recommended. Um, and then kind of was like, okay, well, I can try and get my marathon PB because I'm feeling in quite good run shape. And I don't know whether it's kind of like the extra stress of kind of cycling with the puncture or just you know, general niggles because of not being that far off to Kona, but I kind of got halfway through the marathon uh, and my knee just kind of almost collapsed and I had to like walk for a bit, then I managed to get, so generally not a great race, but it was like a really good first experience and I was a bit like, well, surely my next pro race has got to go a bit better than that. <laughs> like it can't be any worse. Um, so yeah, did it go to plan? I think, uh, I thought, so I guess I had sort of some time goals in my head also just some general goals because I think obviously there's so many things can happen you can't always go off time and I think the first thing that was a bit different uh was it being a non-wetsuit swim so I kind of had like a swim time in my head based off a wetsuit swim then it was a non-wetsuit swim and I think we all kind of agreed we think it was a bit long um looking at the times which were all quite slow and it was also it was pretty choppy and actually the <laughs> probably the hardest bit was uh, it had a little Australian exit in it and getting back in the beach, um, it it kind of dips down quite quickly, but then it like completely shallows out again. So I think we kind of all went, dived in and then suddenly got back and it was like, oh, it's now like really shallow and had to get back up and kind of walk a bit. And um, so that probably didn't help. But actually, I was, I was quite happy with the swim. I think I lost less time. Uh, to sort of Meredith and the and the ladies at the front than than I thought I would so that was, was kind of reasonably happy with that um the bike yep yeah, that you know I held the power that I wanted to hold um 
clearly it went quite fast so have to be quite happy with that and I mean the, I was hoping for more in the run but I think I think it is going to take a bit of time to get to the point where I think I'm a bit more used to like the pro racing and also I think that's where probably doing a bit of a longer Ironman build for me helps because um, I think almost I think I'd done I had like lots and lots of bike miles in my legs and I think I think I actually respond better to sort of volume so I think I almost need that kind of longer Ironman build to get into like really good run shape um but again you know I, I had a point when I very nearly gave up on the run so I was pretty happy to keep going and actually when Meredith came past me she sort of said she was like oh you know just think of Kona she's like I'm pretty sure there'll be three slots um so I was like okay I've just got to keep going and just hope that maybe I get a Kona slot out of it um because yeah that second half of the run was <laughs> it was really quite miserable so um but I think that's kind of the with Ironman kind of you're never really going to have a perfect race there's always going to be something you can improve on uh, and kind of work towards making better so I think that's kind of part of the fun of it just keep aiming to be that little bit better or faster or kind of more consistent across all three that Meredith Kessler not only like is she just the cheerful in general but like cheering you on as she's passing you but also yeah. like passing you as it and being able to like talk and think clearly and things like classic Meredith I feel like <laughs> And she, she honestly, she went past so fast. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I wish I could run like that. Um, but she, yeah, she's amazing. I sort of said to her afterwards, uh, you know, she's such an inspiration. She's done 69 Ironman and she must have been on the podium for, I don't know what, like 90% of them, if not more. Just like absolutely unbelievable. So, yeah, to be, you know, being able to race with people like her is just amazing. And we mentioned Daytona, Challenge Daytona, coming up in just a few weeks. You received that private invitation. Mm -hmm. Did you know it was coming? No, I had absolutely no idea whatsoever. Um, and funnily enough, uh, I had actually emailed Belinda that morning and just to kind of say, you know, on the off chance that anyone kind of drops out of your product, because by this point they'd started announcing some of them um, or that, you know, they were going to be announcing some. So I... I didn't know, you know, just on the off chance that someone drops out, would obviously love to be considered. Um, and as soon as I sent it, another email, you know, we must have emailed at the same time. Her email then came in and was like, here's your invite to, <laughs> to challenge Daytona. Um, so, yeah, it was like, you know, a really lovely surprise. I think I hadn't really expected to be invited at all. Um, it's definitely not going to be an ideal distance for me being like a long swim a short bike <laughs> and I, I definitely need that reversed but um you know to be able to go out there and race again against the best women um is just amazing and I think it's going to be a really good atmosphere I think people will just be so happy to be able to race and, and have that kind of bubble around the race um so yeah kind of like really looking forward to it it's, it's going to be exciting and do you know what your training is going to look like in between? I know you're in a, 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 you didn't expect to be in Florida for all of this, but just in general of going from Ironman to a big championship race with $1.1 million worth of prize money a couple of weeks later. Yeah. So, well, this week is basically all about recovery. Um, so it's very chilled out. It's kind of some easy tech swimming, uh, some sort of easy rides and probably a couple of like very easy runs towards the end of the week. But mainly like I had a chat with Will, my coach today, and he's like, you know, if you're feeling 
at all tired at any point just back it off you know you can you know you're not going to gain much fitness over the next sort of three weeks but you can definitely do a lot of damage so yeah it'll be like this week very chilled and then probably two weeks of a little bit more intensity um and then a week of taper I would have thought although the only slight spanner in the works is uh I'm doing the next Swift Pro series uh, which starts on Wednesday, <laughs> as is Meredith. Uh, and we had quite a good chat about that after the race of how horrendous that is going to feel on post Ironman legs. But, um, but yeah, other than that, there's not going to be much intensity at all until next week. So mainly beach time, ice cream, uh, and putting my feet up. And Ruth, I have to ask, so you came to the US last week and which was like a huge week for the U.S., right? We had an ongoing, as it turned out, it wasn't just <laughs> held to election day, um, an ongoing story unfolding with our U.S. presidential election that was happening. So I think it was actually during the race, like mid-race then, mm-hmm. that it was called um, for President-elect Joe Biden to, you know, having won. So can you give us just your perspective on what it was like to be here, like <laughs> during such a weekend, you know, in Florida, which is you know, known to be yeah. a very kind of political state in its own way, too. So I'd, I'd love to just hear your perspective on it. Yeah, it is really interesting. That's probably the thing that people have asked me the most while I'm out here. Like, oh, how is it with the election going on? Like, does it feel weird? Is there, uh, and again, like being in Florida, is there loads of stuff about Trump everywhere? You know, so um, funnily enough, like where we're staying, we're actually kind of like 3K out of, Panama City kind of out of town so we're in this like quiet little complex and so actually probably that lead up to race to the race there wasn't much going on kind of outside we had the tv on quite a lot because actually we we were quite interested in it and it's also very interesting seeing the difference in the coverage uh, from the American media to then how it's been covered, say, on, like, the BBC back home. So that was quite interesting to see the different, um, <laughs> like, the different coverage of it all. And then I think the only thing that we kind of saw was uh, we went out for dinner one night and um, we're at the spa. Actually, it was when they started, it was election day, um, and they were starting to call some of the states that, as, as results were starting to come in. And there was this group of guys sat at the bar who were clearly Trump supporters. So every time a state was coming through as kind of more pro-Trump, they were all like whooping and cheering and getting up. And um, <laughs> so that was probably the only thing. that. And, and there was a there was a car that was or like a truck that was driving around with all their Trump flags kind of blasting out music during Election Day. But other than that, like really didn't see very much at all. Um so, yeah, I think most people at home are quite disappointed that I was like, to be honest, like, that doesn't really feel like anything is going on here whatsoever. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. I think the main thing is just the difference in seeing like how the media reports it. Um, but I think as ever, it's just I think the unbelievable bit was Trump's speech on whatever day it was when he basically covered because we we had it on both fox and cnn to kind of see how they were covering it differently um so yeah very interesting to watch all the tv coverage um but have it it doesn't feel like i've experienced much of it kind of in person what about the coronavirus coverage i'm curious Mm -hmm. or just the environment in where you live in leeds normally versus being in panama city beach can you tell a difference (laughs) 
uh, I mean, it doesn't really feel like coronavirus exists out here, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and coming from back home where it's very much like you've got to have a mask on when you're going into any shop or any kind of public area, um, much stricter about trying to be in like groups of households when you're going out for dinner, etc. I think the only thing here is uh, I've had to wear a mask going into the supermarket um but that's it like you know we've been able to go to coffee shops and there's no masks or anything it's in some ways it's quite nice because uh, it feels a little bit more like normality um but obviously you know like last week we were being very careful because it's like we're not really going to try and go near people we're going to try and avoid public stuff as much as possible um and I think you know generally speaking we're obviously going to take the kind of common sense approach of of being sensible but it is quite it's very different again and because all the coverage was on the election there's been no news coverage whereas at home it feels like all of the news coverage is about coronavirus like absolutely everything um so again actually it's been quite nice to kind of escape that a little bit and (laughs) and feel like it's not this huge pandemic kind of destroying everything which is a little bit what it felt like at home And let's rewind for a minute back to the start of 2020, pre-pandemic. You had just taken your pro card and started out with your pro racing. What was your original plan for 2020? Uh, My original plan was to start with Ironman South Africa. Um, It's like a race that I've always wanted to do. It looks like a really good course. And I quite like having an early race. It kind of gives me that motivation through winter to train. Um, I was then going to have a bit of a break, try and then do a couple of European 70.3s and then probably do Ironman Cork. Um, Because again, it's like, you know, challenging, tough course. It's obviously easy to get to. Um, And obviously the hope was that at either South Africa or Cork, I might be able to bag a Kona slot and then, you know, kind of rest up and then build towards Kona. That's my kind of, my vague ideal plan for the year. (laughs) But yeah, that all went out the window pretty quickly in March. So then it was just to kind of readjust and see what happens. And part of that readjusting was that you were able to do a couple races in in the Mm. UK. I think you did the Outlaw Triathlon and finished fourth. And um, you also did that Helvellyn Triathlon, which was very (laughs) unique. But both of these races, they did feature prize purses from the Professional Triathletes Organization, or PTO. So what did it mean for you to be able to race in a year when you didn't think you'd be able to? Yeah, honestly, it was amazing to be able to race. I think, you know, for all athletes, you want that chance to I guess kind of like show to yourself what progress you've made or just have that competitive environment. Um, And actually, I think a lot of us said at those races, the thing that you miss the most is actually some of that hype around the races and seeing other people and getting to catch up with, you know, people that that you don't see that much Um, and that general kind of community around the racing. So, yeah, for me, it was just amazing to have that opportunity to race it was you know something else to kind of aim for um and whilst you know like you said Helvellyn is is quite unique uh very different to any other kind of triathlon that I've done but um just being able to put a bib on and and get around a race was was amazing and I think kind of what the organizers managed to do because I think the pressure on them to put on a kind of covid secure event I can only imagine how difficult 
that must actually be, um, considering how hard it is to put on a normal event. So I think, you know, the combination of local organisers being able to do that and then the PTO putting some prize money up, so it actually had quite a good strong field. Because again, actually being able to have a strong field at a local feeling race is also a really kind of unique feeling. And actually, that, that's something that I think would be quite nice if that could actually continue. Um, because, yeah, it's really nice. Obviously, I think with the Brits in particular, we've got so many really good British female athletes to actually try and have races where you have quite a few of them on the same start line on home soil. That's, yeah, that that, that was really good. And I think a lot of us kind of got a lot out of being able to do that and being able to race each other. Did you have a sense of if kind of the locals enjoyed, you know, was there a different feel for them? Do you think having all of a sudden these elite fields at kind of these more grassroots events? And, you know, I don't know if they've always had kind of an elite wave or something, but like now all of a sudden it was pretty stacked. Right. So do you feel like it changed the dynamic for them? And was that a good thing, you think? I think most of them really enjoyed it. I think, again, for a lot of triathletes, being able to see some of the best competing is is just great I think you know that's one of the things why people love Kona so much like you get to see the best people racing you get to kind of experience it with them um yeah certainly like I didn't get a sense from any of them that they didn't like it I guess maybe there were a couple of some of the really good age groupers that were hoping to win and then (laughs) saw some of the names pop up but um but again I think for most people just being able to race people like that is is really good um and it certainly brought quite a lot more hype to some of those local races and yeah the general sense I got is that everyone really enjoyed it um and actually for some of the age groupers at the top end who then got to start in some of the pro waves I think again that's actually really great for them to be able to see what it might feel like if they were going pro and and get a, a kind of sense of that you wrote that going into the outlaw triathlon, your power meter was broken on your bike and you are a strong cyclist. That's your strength. Mm-hmm. So most triathletes these days, whether they are strong cyclists or not, they rely heavily on data. And the idea of your power meter not working on race mm-hmm. day is like everyone's worst nightmare. Did you enjoy that experience by going by feel, <laughs> uh, or, uh, were you like wishing you had the numbers? Um, I wasn't feeling great on the bike on Outlaws, so I was actually quite happy that I didn't have the numbers because <laughs> I don't think they would have been very good. Um, I have to. I think it's quite important every now and then to to kind of go by feel, and I think also to not get too reliant on some of the kind of gadgets because, you know, like you said, you never really know what's going to happen, and I think if you get too reliant of going off some of that data, then say if your power meter broke during the race, you know, you've got to be able to deal to deal with that and react to it so um yeah it was different uh I ended up just buying myself another power meter because I couldn't get it fixed but um yeah I'm not sure I'd really necessarily want to do an Ironman or feel but at least I kind of know that I think I think I could get through it I I would probably be at risk of massively over biking if I (laughs) if I was trying to go a feel but um yeah I think occasionally it's good to do things a bit differently and also just to see, because like, I do know some people that race completely off field and they swear by that. Um, so I guess in some ways, you know, I can now say I've tested it. It didn't work for me. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to all the data. 
And you raced with Zwift Academy in 2019 going into your last season as an amateur. Mm. And that included your last race, I believe, as an amateur, which was the Ironman World Championships in Kona, where you were the first uh, amateur female there. So how did Zwift Academy help you in your prep? And it sounds like you're still using Zwift as part of your training. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, Swift has always been quite a big part of my training, actually. Um, when I was working sort of properly full time and it was like a really uh, sort of intense long hours job, I found Swift was really good for doing those kind of short, intense workouts um, and kind of having people on there. Because I guess I was doing my training at like 4.45 in the morning. So but always on Swift, there's there's people on there. So that was quite nice. But um, yeah, Swift Academy... It, honest, a lot of it still feels like this kind of amazing dream because it was just incredible you know like the support that we got I think everything from kind of getting all the best equipment you know like the bike the all the wahoo stuff to help us with Swift, the kind of being able to go to the wind tunnel um there was also something really cool about having that uh the kind of like the team and because it meant that like throughout the year like every time someone was doing a race like we'd all be uh on our WhatsApp group, kind of messaging, like tracking them, cheering them on. Like, and that was like kind of really nice to have that sense that uh, you had this kind of other little support network behind you cheering you on. And then I think kind of in Kona itself, uh, you know, they put us up in this amazing house. We kind of had everything done for us. We had a chef, we had a mechanic, we kind of got driven around. Every, you know, like I, I felt like a sort of <laughs> triathlon celebrity kind of thing when I was there. Um, so definitely all of that kind of added up to make the lead into Kona I guess kind of as least stressful as it could be um even though I guess like, I had a bit of stress because of the crash that I had sort of 12 weeks before but um other than that I think you know like do I think I still could have gone and had that result without Swift Academy I mean I would, I would hope so but I think it just removed a lot of the kind of other pressures and um additional stresses that, that you'd have normally and that Zwift Academy team is an age group team so when you took your pro card did you have to leave all that behind yeah also the Zwift Academy is just a kind of one year uh kind of contract I guess because it's such a good deal uh they want to give it to as many people as possible it obviously didn't happen this year because there weren't any races for them to kind of support people through um but actually, yeah, Zwift did actually help support me this year um, with that first year pro, which was which was really helpful. Um, and obviously, they've also put on some events that have got prize purses as well, which is also quite nice. Um, so, yeah, but I think, you know, I would say to anyone who's considering Zwift Academy, might be a bit late for this year. But um, for next year, you know, it's definitely something worth looking at and, and trying to get involved in just even if you end up just doing the workouts and uh, yeah, having some tough workouts, but definitely worth it if you can get on the team. And Ruth, you've mentioned a couple times that um, about your job and how, especially while you were racing as an amateur, you were balancing that full-time work that was super demanding and longer hours. And as you began racing pro, I believe you cut down to, it sounds like twice mm -hmm. a week. Um, and people can often like, really struggle or really thrive when life starts to become more about 
triathlon racing and kind of, you know, all focus goes onto that rather than kind of that balance between real world and triathlon. So how has that change been for you? I know it's been a little bit different with 2020, but <laughs> yeah. um, you've still probably kind of gotten a taste of what it will be like. Yeah, so actually I spoke to quite a few people who had been um, <clears throat> from a kind of similar corporate background and gone to being professional triathletes sort of before um, before making the move because originally I was thinking about taking a complete sabbatical um, and going sort of properly full-time. Uh, but yeah, the number of people I spoke to kind of said, kind of as you imply, it's really good to have something that you're focusing on that isn't just triathlon um you know whether it's something that you're just doing that keeps your mind occupied or something else and I found definitely mentally for me it's nice having something completely different like away from triathlon that um <clears throat> yeah it's just like a completely different world and it's nice to have that kind of a couple of days a week and gives me a kind of different focus I also think uh, the other reason I did it was to kind of have the safety net of still having a salary. Uh, clearly, there's not much money <laughs> in triathlon, um, particularly this year. So it's a really good thing that I didn't just take a sabbatical. Um, but I wanted to be able to, I guess I wanted to be able to go and race without the pressure of it being for the money. Um, and to kind of be able to go and enjoy it and see what it was like and see if it could be something that I guess could become more full-time um but I didn't want that pressure of being like oh I've kind of nearly run out of money and I need to go make that paycheck otherwise I'm not going to eat because I think that gets very stressful and you know for me I love triathlon it's really enjoyable and I wanted it to stay uh fun so yeah so like I think cutting down to two days a week I've found has been a really good balance it means that I've got obviously the time to the time to train more but um but also that kind of that other focus, which I think, again, if I get to a point, if I get injured or if we get another big period of there not being any races, it doesn't feel like the end of the world. Because it's like, OK, well, I've still got this other job, this other focus. And yeah, if there's not racing, I, I can kind of mentally deal with it because I've got other things to think about. Um, so I think it's and actually I think most of the most of the pros that I talk to have got something else going on it may not be like another sort of job as such but they've usually got something else that they're kind of interested in or dabbling in or kind of focused on as well as triathlon and it sounds like your employer is pretty understanding that mm -hmm. was that a hard conversation to have when you asked to cut back um no I have to say it, Lloyd's have been absolutely brilliant um it helps that I think I think it helped that I'd got to a point where I'd kind of shown that uh, I guess AI could be trusted to kind of be doing what I said I was doing when I was doing it um, and I built up some of those good relationships with the right people to to kind of say actually because I, I basically kind of made up my own job that I thought I could do on the two days a week because I didn't want to be in a situation where I was trying to do a job that you should be doing full time and trying to like cram that into not very much time and, and not doing a good job. Um, so yeah, I kind of <laughs> made up my own job, uh, went and pitched it to my boss at the time and said, how do you feel about if I, if I did this? And um, yeah, thankfully he was very supportive and continues to be. Um, I think in the, on the other 
side of that also like COVID has helped in some ways because now the whole bank has been working from home um, and lots of people have had to work in a slightly more flexible way because they've got children or they've got caring staff or other responsibilities so actually in some ways that's made it much easier for me to continue with my kind of how I work in a flexible way because again I'm not just working sort of like two traditional days a week I'm kind of splitting it over three days and sometimes the hours are a bit kind of all over the place because I want to fit some particular training in um but yeah I think definitely helps having a very supportive employer um yeah I wouldn't be able to <laughs> wouldn't be able to do it without that and it's it's nice having the confidence that they that they support it properly and Ruth, I think our last question just is for you that we believe you're sponsored by Orca, which is also one of our podcast sponsors. So you've had a few races this year with particularly cold swims. So are there any Orca products that you rely on to get you through those cold swims? Yes. Oh, God, there's been some freezing cold swims. Um, <laughs> used to be quite cold swims, but I've definitely become a little bit more, uh, a little bit less hardcore, I think. Um, yeah, I think for me... The main one is the neoprene hat. I think the like I find if I don't have the neoprene hat on and it's a cold swim, I immediately get ice cream head and can't really do anything. Um, I also use the the slightly thicker the 3.8 wetsuit, um, which because I used to use the Alpha quite a lot, but uh, yeah, I found in the cold swims I need that little bit extra thicker layer to to keep me warmer. Um, and I've done quite a lot of training swims where I also use the booties because I think, again, feet is the other thing that just get absolutely freezing. Uh, but I wouldn't race in them because it's like something else that you've got to take off. And yeah, not not worth the extra time and transition. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Good luck with your recovery. And we'll be cheering you on at Challenge Daytona in just a few weeks. Thanks very much. Great to chat to you too. Okay, Alyssa, it's quiz time. Please tell me which noon hydration product I should be drinking during the following scenarios. First up, a two hour hard bike workout. Ooh, I'd go with noon endurance because you need some carbs for that. All right, second question, an easy shakeout swim. Probably some noon sport, keep it light. What about working from home? Noon sport yet again. Final question, a three-day, 16-hour, fastest known time attempt on the 46 high peaks of the Adirondacks. I'd definitely say noon instant for sure. All the electrolytes, please. Ding, ding, ding. You got them all right, Alyssa. And I think it's obvious there's a noon hydration product for every time in life. Iron Women podcast listeners can try them all and get 30% off using the code livefeisty at noonlife.com. Again, that's Live Feisty, all one word with a capital L and a capital F. Use that code for 30% off any purchase at NoonLife.com. Haley, do you know what I'm doing when I'm feeling kind of down? What do you do, Alyssa? I go to gooder.com forward slash feisty, the live feisty curated collection on the Gooder sunglasses website. And I read the fun names of all the sunglasses. Ooh, do you have a current favorite? I think today I'm going with Kitty Hawker's Ray Blockers. Oh, nice pick from the new Mach G line. Going for a run in a pair of teal aviators would make me so happy right now. Happiness really might be a pair of no slip, no bounce, polarized sunglasses in fun colors with a fun name. 
Happiness is also sunglasses that start at just $25 a pair. So all of our listeners should go to gooder.com forward slash feisty to see our favorites and find their own. That's G-O-O-D-R.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. Be sure to check out the virtual try-on feature while you're there. And of course, look good, run gooder. Well, Haley, shortly after we talked to Ruth, um, Hurricane Ada, I believe it was, ended up kind of traveling through Florida. And it I believe, I haven't confirmed this, but I think that might have kind of derailed some of the travel plans of where they would be staying and training. But we do have a fun interview coming up in a couple of weeks with Kat Matthews, who um, won Ironman Florida. And so she has been staying with Ruth in Florida while they're in the States. She is also a British triathlete, and so they've been, like, staying together, training, and kind of making their way through Florida together. Um, So we'll have an update on exactly how all of that kind of unfolded in a few weeks when we talk to Kat. I'll look forward to that conversation. Thanks again to Ruth for being our guest on the show today. If any of you enjoyed this conversation or any of our other conversations, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I'm not exactly sure what it's called these days, but whatever your podcast app of choice, if they allow ratings or reviews, we would love to hear your thoughts. Send us a mailbag question at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Alyssa, enjoy the Queen's Gambit. I can't wait to hear what you think. I'll talk to you next week. I can't wait to tell you, Haley. Bye. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Zilio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Orca Sportswear, Gooder Sunglasses, as well as our Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find all website links and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com. Listener.